Good morning. I'm Father Matt Kovisk, and I'm the rector of St. Mary's Anglican Church in Verdun. On behalf of the clergy, the wardens, and the parishioners of St. Mary's, I'd like to wish you and those you love a joyous Eastertide celebration. And this Easter day, in our passage from the Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 16, verses 1 through 8, we encounter the disciples and the women shortly after Jesus' death. And in the past 72 hours, they had watched the man that they thought would change the world be betrayed, be put on trial, be sentenced to death on a cross, and be crucified in one of the most horrific forms of punishment ever devised by humanity. Now in the Anglican tradition, Easter Day is preceded by the events of what is called the Paschal Triduum, also known as the Great Three Days. These three days com are comprised of Monday Thursday, where we celebrate the institution of the Last Supper or Holy Communion, Good Friday, where we commemorate Jesus' trial and crucifixion, and Holy Saturday, where Jesus harrows hell, or brought salvation to the righteous who died since the beginning of the world. And the events of these great three days are incredibly emotional for us to go through in 21st century Manitoba, and we've got some distance from these events. However, though, the disciples and those gathered with them didn't have that luxury that we have. They were living these events firsthand, and by the time that we meet them in Mark 16, they've only had approximately 24 hours to digest the emotional battering that they had just taken. So, I can imagine that emotionally, they all would have been a little sore and hurting from what they had both just witnessed and lived through. However, they couldn't wallow in their feelings for very long, for they had work to do. They had to prepare their Savior's body for his burial. And so, early in the morning on the day after the Sabbath, remember, no work could be done on the Sabbath, as it was commanded by God to be a day of complete rest. The women gathered around, went to the tomb to start preparing the body for a burial. Now, on the way down to the tomb, they were having a perfectly normal conversation about a problem that they were going to face. They were women. How were they going to roll that giant stone away from the tomb? How were they going to be able to get in to be able to prepare for the burial of the body? And this question would actually be answered for them when they arrived at the tomb. Jesus' body wasn't there, for he is risen indeed. One might wonder, though, why were the women afraid about these events? The fact that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead is good news, isn't it? Why are you afraid of good news? Well, you may remember my duck test from other sermons. This test is, if it walks like a duck, and it quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck, right? Well, when you apply that logic to this situation, you can understand why the women were afraid. If the body was missing, even though there's a man in white standing there telling you that he is risen indeed, you're probably going to ignore the man in white, and you're probably going to think of an earthly reason, in this case, that the body was stolen. And you're going to think this no matter what 
that man in white was saying. What does this short story of Jesus' resurrection have to do with you and I this day? How is this good news for us? Well, St. Augustine of Hippo, a 4th century bishop in Africa, once wrote this. Jesus died, but he vanquished death. In himself, he put an end to what we feared. In his resurrection, Jesus defeated sin and death once for all on Calvary's tree. In Christ's defeat of sin and death by his death on the cross, we are no longer under the thumb of sin and death. By his work on the cross and his resurrection, we no longer have to fear sin and death as we once did. We no longer have to fear sin in that Jesus Christ's death and resurrection not only has the slate been wiped clean, but it's actually like the slate doesn't exist at all. Now, this may not seem like a big deal to us who live in 21st century Manitoba, but compared to what the people gathered around Jesus had to deal with, this was actually quite a big deal. See, the ancient Jews were constantly playing catch-up when it came to their sin. As soon as they were finished sacrifices for sin, they found themselves right back in God's debt. Their sacrifices for sin could never completely erase the debt that they had built up for themselves. So they were on what I would refer to as the world's worst hamster wheel. For their sin to be completely wiped out, for their slate to be not only wiped clean, but for it to not even exist in terms of their relationship with God would have been life-changing for the early church. They could now focus on being the people of God, living the lives that God had intended for Adam and Eve before that fall in the Garden of Eden. For us in this time and place, we too do not have to worry about whether our sins have broken our relationship with God. In the resurrection, we can approach the throne of grace with boldness, as the letter to the Hebrews tells us, chapter 4. We no longer have to fear death in Jesus Christ's resurrection, in that the resurrection unlocks the gate of heaven and lets us in. To paraphrase the old hymn, there is a green hill far away. We no longer have to fear death because death is not the end. Sure, in death we leave this mortal coil, as Shakespeare would put it. And with death comes grief for love lost. And as anybody who has ever lost somebody or someone can tell you, grief can hurt. However, in our earthly death, we are reunited with the God who first created us and who first loved us. In that same death, we are also reunited with those whom we have loved and lost. We are reunited with them on, quote, that distant shore and in that greater light, with the multitude that no one can number, with whom in this Lord Jesus we forevermore are one. This is the good news of Easter, my friends, that death and sin have no more dominion over us. This is the good news of Easter, my friends, that in Jesus' death and resurrection, we have been, been adopted by God and made children of God. And God looked at humanity and rather than abandoning us to the power of sin and death, sent his only son to be, quote, the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. 1 John 2, verse 2. You and I, 
thanks to the resurrection, can live into our relationships with God like God had first intended with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. This is the good news of Easter, that is, in the resurrection, heaven and earth are wedded, and we are reconciled to God and made heirs of eternal life. So, my friends, on this most holy day of days, let us rejoice in the good news of the resurrection. Let us rejoice in the depth of the Father's love for us, in that he sent his only Son not to condemn the world, but that in order that the world might be brought into right relationship with him. Let us rejoice that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and that, quote, death's flood hath lost its chill. Let us rejoice that in the resurrection all creation has been made new. Let us rejoice and make our churches and homes glad with our songs of praise. For the Lord is risen, the Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia! And so we pray. O risen Christ, ascended Lord, all praise to thee let earth accord, who art while endless ages run, with Father and with Spirit one. Thanks be to God. Alleluia. Amen.